Yes, it's a Finnish football show. And we join you breathlessly after watching Herzegovina 1, Finland 3. Uh, we had to wait a couple of hours so we could all catch our breath. Really, it was um, it was quite something. Uh, Mark, you, you, said, you said something before we started recording about what's a game? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, it felt like it felt like hours, <laughs> especially the second half. It really like it was it was so tense start to finish. I thought I mean, at the start, I thought, you know, we looked like we could control it for, you know, for the full 90. But when we went down to 10, oh, Jesus, my nerves, my nerves. <laughs> it lasted an eternity. We'll come we'll come on to that because there was a it was a first half. Absolutely. Chocker, chocker block full of drama. Um I think we well we did our we all did our predictions before and we all thought it'd be close and edgy and a dirty win and a sneaky draw and all of all of this and um, there were from from the beginning there was there were there were changes let's have a let's have a talk first of all about the about the squad Rich can you t- talk us through some of the the changes that were there um, well yeah I think um, the, the main ones that are the continuation from from the last international break where and well really throughout the whole autumn. Um, Juno Toivio and Paolo Sarriuri were both left on the bench uh, and replaced by uh, Leo Weissman and, and Robert Ivanov, who'd done so well in, in the last game against Kazakhstan. And um, and I think now we can see that that is the end game. Um, we, we were all kind of speculating over the summer, where would these changes come? Where would the next round of players come from? And, and as I said in the WhatsApp, to be fair, Rives, he's done it mid-campaign. I think he's realised that this three look a lot with O'Shaughnessy they look a lot more mobile they're a lot better on the ball and I think for, for modern defenders this is what he's kind of been looking toward and, and Ariur and Toivio have been fantastic and, and you know very the kind of warriors that, that you do need from time to time but I think if you're looking for 90 minutes now that, that's what they've done they've come in they've, the three of them look really good um, Weissman's got a good run where he's not had an injury and yeah, I think that that three really worked. And so O'Shaughnessy capped it off with his first international goal. And um, and again, like we, we touched upon before, Tim Sparv wasn't in the team, not in the squad. And Rasmus Schuller, you know, I, I, I'll put my hands up. I've said he's not always been at his best in a Finland shirt, but today, really, really excellent. And, and I think if he can carry on, I think now that he's pretty settled in that team, I think um, the omens are pretty good. Yeah, I think I think with Schuler, we we've said over the last half a year, maybe maybe since the Euros, that he's he's been, I don't know, deserving that place in the centre of of midfield. And I I also thought that the that three at the back looked very good together. The three in the midfield, in the middle of the midfield, so um, Schuler and Lud and Kamara looked good. And then we had a change up front as well, Mark. Well, the ch- the change up top was uh, Marcus Force in instead of Yolle uh, Boyan Balo. Was that tactical? Uh, uh, oh no! I, yes and no. I mean, I think that Force is just a lot more mobile. You could see him in the first half when we had eleven running across the sort of the front three. Um, it's not that Yolle is not not mobile. He's just not as sort of young and quick and, and mm. um, sort of sharp as as Force. 
So Forrest did a lot of sort of dropping and then going up to the line. So he was a lot more, I think, dynamic in his movement. But I just want to go back to something that Rich said in the in the chats in the in WhatsApp before the before the show, which is the the this is a crunch game. Everything's on the line. You got to win it. Basically, it's all or nothing. And and the choice or the decision by Rive to go with those three is a hell of a decision. Like the the three at the back are you know O'Shaughnessy, Bison, and and even of they're all under twenty five, right? I think they're all you know they're all relatively young guys. Have, they won't have 20 caps, 25 caps. They'll, they'll be relatively inexperienced. And normally, normally, you know, you think of Rive and you think of like, you know, he waits a long time to make decisions. He waits a long time to make substitutions, but such a ballsy decision, like in a crunch game to put on, in, in a sense, the youngsters. And they, they, they rose to the occasion so well. Let's come back to that substitutions thing a little bit later because there was a comment in, the, in your match preview from from Arrive as well so we'll maybe we'll come to that when we talk a little bit later um Keke Mark was saying about force playing up front and I I thought as well as his movement he was um he was linking up with with Pukki really well they were trying little flicks and little one twos and they were seeming to come off yeah I mean um yeah it was good to see Marcus Force get a run out he's uh he struggled for minutes at, at Brentford, but he's he's been making substitute appearances. So it was it was good to see him get a start in berth. And um and yeah, his his link up play with, with Puki seemed to be coming off. He was he was doing all right. They they were taking it in turns to hold up the ball and, and sort of lay it off to each other. And um yeah, he's uh, he's been rewarded with his with his goal. Mm. I mean, um fantastic, right place at the right time, sort of coming off his chest, I think. But um but yeah, they they all count and uh, we're very pleased for, for Marcus Force. It was um, the perfect start, really. Mark's um, match re- match preview, um, you've started putting these quotes in from Marco Canova as well, which I think which I think are really good. It gives me that little bit of insight that I was I've been missing before. So if the if the listener isn't finding those, it's, well, they're well worth a read before the game uh, kicks off, just to just to give you a few things to think about. And he made some comment about Bosnia needing to attack and tr- Finland trying to find place space in behind them. And uh, and you, I think Mark, you made a comment either made either in your report or in in the WhatsApp to us that you know this could be one where we sit back, defend, defend, and try and catch them. And I think it was like in the in the first ten minutes at least that that Puki kind of closed down really high up the field, closed down defender and was away one-on-one and it, it looked like it was going to be the dream start. Yeah, yeah, he pressed high. I mean, all day, their defenders, their back three looked relatively shaky. You know, I think Puki was able, Puki and Force were both able to close them down quite well. I mean, the goals that they could do one or two of them, you know, they, they, they weren't just, they just weren't quite as sharp. Um, but yeah, when, when Puki went through Straight straight away. I mean, he put about a year ago, he'd have taken a touch and just lamped it into the bottom corner. So, he, I mean, his, his touch, uh, you know, he was surprised himself after the ball bobbled for him. He took a bit of a heavy touch and then he opted to go around the keeper and the defender just got back just mm. in time. But um, but that was the plan. They were pushing up and we played through and and and, and pressed them. I think, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is that the our, our passing was so good it totally nullified their press. When, we, when it was 11 against 11, I thought we were able to pass rings around them. They were often chasing shadows, which is 
you know, I can't think of it. I mean, it's probably one of the best passing displays I think I've ever seen by mm. a Finland team. Um, and um, and Finland had a, won a penalty, but before winning the penalty for handball, there was also a claim against uh, Raikkala, um quite early in the game where he came sliding in to block a, a cross. It, it definitely hit his arm. Oh yeah, I've seen that. You've seen those given. It was he made a sliding tackle and his arm was sort of like trailing onto the floor, mm. and mm. It, it like it was a ground pass. And I thought it was his arm wasn't in an unusual or unnatural position. It was just by his side when it when it clipped him. It did sort of clip his his arm, but it would have been soft. Whereas up the other end, Rich uh, Miriam Pjanic's arm, well, his whole body was in a strange position when that shot <laughs> came firing in. I don't know what what how he managed to strike that pose. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you had any arguments about Weitler's, that was a, a nailed-on handball. It was, mm. it was like walking like an Egyptian in his own box, and <laughs> but it was, um, it was strange because I, I had the game on on Sky TV, and the co-commentator was Gary Bertels. I think was was it Forest when they won mm. the European Cup right there, and um, I've never heard someone supposedly neutral so biased against. Uh, maybe it's just my everyone's biased but he was so pro-Bosnia and I never heard the name Ed and Dzeko mentioned so many times in a in 90 minutes but in a um, game that he wasn't playing in well exactly yeah <laughs> but um I mean it was it was nailed on penalty it was no arguments about that and again you know like Mark said had this been the Tamil Puki of 2019 that penalty would have been put away with with relish and and this is again what we'll come on to but I think today we saw the best and the worst of Puki. This was the Puki playing with in a team that's struggling for confidence, a club team anyway. Um, he's not got many chances this season. I mean, he's still scored a couple of goals. but um, And then on the other hand, his kind of link-up play and the pressing and the chasing, and we'll see that for the second goal, was outstanding. So it's kind of the Puki that we had maybe five or six years ago where he'd do everything except score. Um, and that's kind of what he did today. But what, as we've said before, his overall play over the last three or four years has improved that much that Finland managed to win without him scoring, which is a nice treat. Keke? Yeah, it's just exactly echo those thoughts. I mean, that um, I think the uh, the penalty was the penalty was given on about twenty four minutes, and like you guys have already alluded to, um, Puki was in behind twice already before that. You know, so um, if it if it had managed to slot those two away and then got the penalty. We, we, he might have been on hat-trick before 25 minutes were up. But, um, yeah. but yeah, the uh, the penalty was given. And, um, yeah, we, you know, we're all sitting there thinking, here we go, this will be this will be it. And the uh, the Bosnian keeper makes the save, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, it was good to see, good to see him getting in behind there. It was obviously the, the tactic and, um, and it, it, it seemed to seem to be working. Mark? It was a weak, it was a weak penalty. Well, it was mm. like it's the worst. Like it was, it wasn't particularly. It wasn't in the corner, and it was at just the right. It was about sort of waist height. The keeper didn't have to stretch too far to get it. It was, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. But he didn't. He didn't let it kind of put him off because it was. It was Pookie himself that that set up the goal. Um, and one of you mentioned the goal earlier. He sort of he sort of got won the ball on the on the byline on the goal line rather. Um, and and drilled it across the box, and it took a, a flick off the defender, and and went in off of Marcus Force's torso. Should we say? Difficult to say exactly which part, but I, I wouldn't say it went in. I, I think it was a guided chest. Well, no, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I mean, he put it in, but it was very close. Um, 
but he, he, he sort of put it home from from a meter and uh, and wheeled away. And uh, I think you'll see pictures of him celebrating in our artwork for this uh, for this episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a lovely was, ball uh, from Glenn. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I was just about to say, Rich. Yeah, mm. good work from Glenn Kamara to um, in, initially to set that up for uh, for Pookie to cut it back. But um, just on the on the celebration for um, for Finland to be sort of get, grabbing that that game by the scruff of the neck and playing so well in those opening minutes in such a hostile atmosphere. I mean, those Bosnian fans. It was it was pretty full the stadium, and um, both sections behind the goal. I mean, um, you got the the Bosnian fanatics who were the the, the ultras there. They were going bananas, and um, behind the other goal as well, you had a a big a big vocal section of support. So. For Finland to to start so well and and not let that sort of atmosphere rile them, I think was was credit to them. And yeah, old Marcus Force once he scored with his chest, he uh, he ran away with his fingers in his ears as a sort of like um, yeah, your noise don't worry me, mate. So um, yeah, fair play. Mark. Yeah, just to, I mean, so Kamara for the through ball for Puki was was fantastic because he danced through about three or four players. But when I watched the replay, I think if you count, it's like about it's about two and a half minutes and 23 p- passes before mm. Finland keep the ball like throughout before the goal. Like it, it, it's really like you, it sort of it sense. It, I don't want to get too carried away, but it's very Barcelona-esque. You know what I mean? A lot of quick movement passes. They, they kept the ball and they ran all around the uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina. So if that's what, you not getting carried away, I'd hate to see you get excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was Wait till Tuesday. You're yeah, exactly. That's, Tuesday. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was I was actually watching the first half of the game on my phone while I was sitting in my car waiting for my daughter to finish work, and she was conveniently forty five minutes late coming out of work. But I've only got a little car, and when that goal went in, I cheered and involuntarily punched the roof of my car and grazed my knuckle. I injured myself <laughs> celebrating in my little car. <laughs> Um, uh, but the, the celebration didn't didn't last so long because it wasn't long after that that, that Yukaratela got his uh, marching orders. Um, Keke, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, at the time, I was just thinking, this is brilliant. You know, we've had a, those couple of chances in behind. You know, we we fair enough, we fluffed the penalty, but force has scored. If we can just get this to half time one nil, this is a this is a, a cracking a cracking little result for for the first half. And then yeah, the um, the Bosnian chap, he's 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 made a run for it. Reitel has you know he, he's been done for pace or whatever, and um, and he's sort of he's he's made a lunge, sort of a last ditch. When I say last ditch tackle, it was a last ditched attempt by Reitel to to get the ball, but. As we've discussed, he, he wasn't he wasn't the last man. They were covering players. I don't think, I mean, where the where the Bosnian player was on the pitch, he still had a long way to sort of get to 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 goal or even to the eighteen yard box. So, yeah, I mean, it was in our in our sort of right back position, but quite a way out, wasn't it? Yeah. So I mean, uh, denying a goal scoring opportunity, I don't think so. So I I personally. I mean, I may be looking at it through Finland tinted spectacles, but I, I do think the red card is harsh. I mean, um, earlier in the game, I was going, oh, Michael Oliver, English ref, great. He's given us a penalty. He's, he's denied them one down the other end. And all of a sudden, he's the worst bloke in the world when he flicks out that red card. But yeah, I honestly thought it was harsh, to be honest. He was, it was about... Think, Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think we all did until I think about the sixth or seventh angle on a replay. <laughs> Mm. where it, it was one of these where 
for everything, you kind of think, well, he's not the last man. You know, he's away from goal. And it was only, I think there was an angle that they showed on, on Sky anyway, almost front on from behind the goal. And it was Kalisinac. And you could see right and it went straight into his ankle. Yeah. And you could see from that angle, it looked like a red card. But yeah. this was like the sixth or seventh viewing from an, you know, he's made a split second decision. So is that, um, is that, is that, a, is that the red, is, is he got the red card there I for think, serious foul think, play? Yeah, I think they, or dangerous um, yeah. for what it is. I think it, it was, it, I mean, it wasn't high, but he's taken straight into his ankle. Um, so yeah, I think again, it's kind of, it took that many viewings for us to go, he might have got that one right, maybe. I think, yeah. to be fair, Kalasinic didn't come back on. Mm. Yeah. He, he, he just went through him. And it's, it's, it is that thing that I think first time I thought it was harsh, and then every time I saw it after that, I thought... It was a, it was a sliding sliding challenge, like rather than a, a lunge into the player. It was, a, it was an attempt to get the ball, but he didn't. And unfortunately... on Go on. I think just the frustrating thing for me is that he didn't have to do it. Mm. Like, even yeah. if it was there on the cover, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, there wasn't a lot of danger in that situation. Like, it wasn't last ditch. He didn't have to go through him. But I think he just showed a bit that, um, you know, maybe he's a bit like like uh, Toivio and Arayuri. He's, he's, he's lost maybe half a yard of pace and he just found himself out of his depth a bit. Well, hopefully now come Tuesday, he'll be banned for the France game. So, you know, there's a decision to be made there. You know, what, where do they juggle? Because Hammerlinen's on the left. Um, Urinen wasn't fully fit, which is why Hammerlinen played today. Um, so it would be interesting to see how they juggle the wing-backs. Yeah, I, I thought Hammerlinen had a, had a decent game, actually. Mm. He, he offers quite a bit going forward and, and linking up on, you know, with, with the three the three midfielders and and whoever's sort of attacking down that that left wing ahead of him and i think he he seems to be growing into that role and no no bad thing if there's some serious competition there for urnen as well he is he is a modern wing back whereby i think he does offer a little bit more going forward than he does defensively mm-hmm. you know so um i think if you watch him closely when it's a sort of a one-on-one situation, the attacker does tend to get the ball past him, but he's very good going forward, as you say, Mark. So um, that's the sort of that's the trade-off, isn't it? In the in the modern game with these with these wing-back players. So um, yeah, obviously something for River to think about. Um, Albin Granland, who was in the squad, wasn't in the uh, wasn't in the match day squad, but um, obviously he's a sort of fullback type player. So um, yeah, maybe a bit of a switch about so he can come in, maybe. Mm. So we were we're down to down to ten men from about the thirty seventh minute, I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly, and then it looked like a a mountain ahead. But we we got into halftime one nil up, and in the second half, um, didn't take long to extend that lead. I, I, I mean, there we 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 sh- <laughs> we shouted so loud that the dog jumped. Jumped out of his skin and leapt off the sofa and wondered what what on earth that all the noise was for. Um, it was a it was another sort of nice team goal and it wasn't all just about great football. It was about kind of perseverance and um, yeah. not giving up. And it, it was a, from the left hand side. Urho um, Nisila lobbed the ball and it seemed to be going sort of out past the goal, out for a goal kick. 
and and Pookie just chased it and he he kept it in play with his head uh, and it fell to the feet of Weissenden, I think, who yep. pulled it back and and Lod drove it in. And as the keeper's coming back from his near post across the goal, uh, Lod sort of put it back where he'd just come from and there was no, it was at, at pace as well. And the the, the net bulged. It was, uh, it was a terrific, terrific goal for, for the reasons I just sort of explained, really. Yeah, he didn't give book. He didn't give up. Like it was just probably his best moment moment of the game because, I mean, it, like I said, like before, the the defenders, you know, they uh, they're not they weren't the best. You know, I mean, I think Pookie, you could just sort of smell that there was an opportunity on. He just kept it alive, kept it going, and and um, nice and clever from from Weizenen. No idea what he was doing <laughs> in the opposition six yard box, but then a, a lovely drill finish from uh, from Wood. And, and Puki had only just missed a chance um, a couple of minutes before yeah. that when we, we see that the, it's already becoming a bit of a meme, him uh, mouthing some frustration afterwards but to finish speakers. It's certainly not for one before the watershed. But it's, um, it, you know, again, that, that's kind of Puki at his best. It's him being dogged and chasing and, and winning that ball because the defender switched off. It's, it's similar to the Man City, Man United last week. The defenders have just allowed it to, to drift through. And... Um, and again, I think at 2-0, that then gave a bit of optimism again because Force had been subbed at half-time for Nisila. Um, I think, obviously, if Finland had been at 11 men, that wouldn't have happened maybe until a little bit later. But uh, Nisila's come on, proved you know, he's a very intelligent footballer and you know, we'll see whether he moves on from Cups or not. But yeah, it was um, that was about Puki really. And that was, like Mark said, that was his kind of key intervention into the game because that second goal really then gave Finland a bit of a cushion. It, it, it proper crippled Bosnia as well. Like for 10, 15 mm. minutes, they were just shell-shocked. Yeah, and it, it really had an effect on the fans as well. Mm. They finally sort of shut up at 2-0. Mm. And um, and yeah, it was uh, it, it sort of calmed calmed the atmosphere a bit. But you you got you guys are absolutely right. I mean, the, the Bosnian defender just seemed to assume that the ball would go out and that Pookie would give up, but um, he obviously didn't. And uh, yeah, the gut, the, I mean, the, the sort of curled shot with pace and that from, from Robin Ludd was absolutely fantastic. Lovely. For the, for the whole start of that second half, you know, we, we pumped the ball forward and it only beat Pookie and like one other there next to him, but you still sort of felt like every time it went forward, you thought there might be something on here. Like this, this these guys don't look, don't look up for it. So mm. And I, I saw a stat during the during the second half that at that stage, Bosnia Herzegovina had had nineteen shots and Finland had had eight. And I, I was looking through my notes, and so many of them say Bosnia shoot over, Bosnia shoot wide, and then there were some obviously that that Lukas Radetzky saved um, and saved well, but it. That, that statistic didn't didn't tell the story of the game at all. And um, you you said, I think, Mark, that, that Bosnia seems sh- shell-shocked after that second goal went in. And they, and and, um, and Keke said the crowd went quiet. And then on 66 minutes, they substituted Pjanic. And the crowd livened up then, didn't they? Uh, I mean, I think a bit. I mean, well, they, they, in so much as they started booing their own manager yeah, they- and... <laughs> They weren't keen on that decision no, when when really Pjanic was when old Panic Pjanic was hooked. They um they certainly yeah. let the coach know what they what they felt about that. This, I mean, it's weird because he's probably the outstanding individual in that mm. squad, um, 
And you could see from, from Bosnia in that final third, and it went all the way up to the end of the game, they had so many sort of key pieces of possession. And it was their decision-making that was just ridiculous. That the, They were shooting from all the wrong places. They were taking the final ball was awful. It was all these kind of things where, again, the, the commentator in Sky was like, oh, if Jekko was playing, I don't know, if my auntie had un- was my uncle and all that. But it was, um, everything was the wrong choice. And you kind of think like, this is the key difference where, you know, the, the, you're playing a team like Bosnia who are, in FIFA rankings, very similar place to Finland. A, a team who are better than that would more often not make the right choice or work the keeper because Luke made a, a lot of half saves. Mm. He didn't make that many keys because the ball, the shots on target, there weren't that many of them. They, mm. Like you said, they were over, they were wide, they you know, go out of play. It was um, it was strange because really the, the, the possession ahead, I'm sure someone will work out what their XG was or whatever, but they're positioning around the box and they would shoot from all these ridiculous angles. And it's in the end, it's kind of just silly. I think so. They did have a lot of long, long distance shots, but they also had who was that number? Was it Proval, Provalco? I'm not sure if I can pronounce that right. But the understudy, did, the guy who came in for Jekyll, who played the target man when number nine was back, he would have missed, I would say, three pretty guilt ed chances from inside the box. I think he had a, he like had a header that was knocked on from the corner from edge of the six yard box. Uh, he had a deep cross that he sort of swung out when it was on a half volley. And I think he, he, they were in really good, they, they didn't feel dangerous because uh, he just sort of lashed them over the bar and you could sort of tell the way he shaped up that it wasn't going to hit the target. But if you'd put somebody like Jekko in those kind of positions, I think they would have hurt us probably a lot more. Um, yeah, as and- for Pjanic, Oh, go ahead. No, no, carry on, Mark, please. Well, I was just going to say for, for Pjanic, so he he was playing like like a number 10 and he wasn't getting any joy. So he was either pushing up into like into the, where the back three were, but Ivanov and Vizanen were really handling him uh, on the floor. They, they just, they were just, they were tackling him and picking the ball off him. Or he was trying to get into the channels where he was bumping into the, the wing backs that were bombing on. So as the second half wore on, he just dropped back and started pinging diagonals into the channels. And uh, I mean, we'd really, I mean, we really handled him. Like, and he's, in, I mean, he's not maybe the player he once was in his prime, but uh, but we did take care of him. It was only a few minutes after he was subbed that um, that Bosnia Herzegovina scored to pull it pull it back to to two one. It was a, a free kick from the left, sort of driven in, dipping towards the towards the front post. And one of their forwards, Manolo got Manolo got onto the got onto it and sort of flicked it in at the front post. And uh well that got the the, the supporters off the back of the uh, of the manager for for a while and they they came back to life albeit briefly because uh, three or four minutes later, 72 minutes, uh Finland had a free kick on the right. It was a long Long free kick, one movement straight into the six-yard box, and uh, and there was Daniel O'Shaughnessy from two meters, slightly uh, almost long range compared to Marcus Force's goal, um, and uh, and then he sort of just just stroked it home, and then we had this really long, nervy um, VAR check. It, it didn't look good at one stage, and we didn't see many replays over here. I don't know how it was for for you guys, Keke. Yeah, I, w- I was watching. Um, I was watching via Ruto, so oh, okay. um, I was watching the same as you. So, I mean, uh, I thought it was, you know, again, 
this is just me being me, but I'm, I'm like, that's perfectly good goal. What are they checking that for? But um, the delivery again from Robin Lerd, absolutely fantastic. And Daniel O'Shaughnessy just seemed to ghost in at the back. Nobody had a clue he was there. And as you say, sort of stroked it home. But yeah, the, um, the old wait for wherever... Was he in Stockley Park, the bloke, or wherever? I don't know where he was, but wherever um, wherever Michael Oliver's mate was, having a look at that over and over again, it was certainly a bit um, bit fingernail biting. But um, yeah, thankfully, thankfully they deemed him onside, and uh, the goal stood. Really pleased for O'Shaughnessy. You know what I mean? Great, great for him to score, cracking goal. You know, him and um, Robert Ivanov sort of falling around, rolling around on the floor together in celebration was absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah, I'm glad uh, glad nobody decided to chalk that one off. Wow. I think we're lucky we had a Premier League ref because that that goal was or that that VAR decision was um, was it the Arsene Wenger rule after Patrick Bamford last season? So Patrick Bamford was given offside because his arm he was pointing basically yeah. to where right, and they said that because he can't score with his arm, he shouldn't have been given his offside. Yeah, and when you look at the replay back, blood strikes the. It's a it's a shoulder and his arm that's like slightly well, ahead of the line. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they've changed it to like shirt sleeves or, or from where the the shoulder because you can the use arm. the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird, and I think again there, there may have been because on we probably had the same feed. They only showed it from behind, mm-hmm. um, and it's difficult that you know they don't have the lines and all that. And I wonder if they had angles from another side. Which might have shown. And I've seen it a picture doing the rounds of I think the central defender's foot. At, again, this is the argument: when's the ball played? At what point does the ball leave the foot, or whatever? But um, at some, I mean, this is the thing. You know, we, we bemoaned VAR during the summer, the the Russia game, and and for once it did us a favour. Oh, I mean, I would say it's just nice to have a like a top tier ref, like a tournament. If we'd have, mm. I think if, you know, if we'd have had a sort of Europa League, Europa Conference League sort of level ref, we might have been playing there with, it might have been, it might have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Just one who doesn't know an absolutely fair challenge when he sees one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made a note here that the last 10 minutes was so frantic that I forgot to make any notes. So I, I just <laughs> remember being on the edge of my seat thinking, and, and, and Satu said the same thing at home as one of you guys said earlier, that the, she was like, why, why did the minutes take so long to pass? Like, this, this, this last the 10 minutes is taking hours. Yeah. Four yeah, months really of injury time. Yeah. But, I mean, um, yeah, they, they, Finland controlled controlled the ball well during that that last period. I mean, Glenn Kamara, on about 79 minutes, he, he won a clever free kick, sort of protecting the ball over at the uh, over at the touchline there, just letting the, the Bosnia players have a bite at his ankles, and down he went just to kill a few more seconds, you know? I mean... Clever, clever midfield play, and then um, you see uh, you see Freddie Jensen run it into the corner right at a death. You know, just mm. um, just holding it down, holding it down in the corner, just allowing that clock to tick away. Obviously, Bosnia players became much more frustrated as the time went on, and I think yeah, Finland just protected the ball. Nisela played well. You know, it's just um, yeah, I, I, they really sort of saw the game out. It was brilliant. It, it was a shame for Marcus Force to come off, but it mm. was a really smart decision to bring Nisil on. The way he carried the ball, the way he protected it, the way he kept possession. He was brilliant, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned in, uh, and this is where I'll come back to your, your preview, Mark, that uh, Rive had said something about using substitutions and when to do it. And uh, do I remember correctly, earlier in the autumn, we were being a little bit, 
unsure about how he'd used his substitutions in some of those more recent games. I mean, it was only was it two games ago when I think it was uh, was it Imonen was saying that maybe it was time to move for him to move on, and the yeah. game wasn't. Like <laughs> those comments got old pretty quick, but um, yeah. but but yeah, I mean, I think we have had that before where where he's been a bit, you know, unsure or hesitant hesitant to to make the the, the switch, but today. I think all of the subs were bang on. He could have rushed and brought on a sub like straight when uh, when Reitler was sent off, but he didn't. He waited. Kind of we we shaped up and got to half time, which was really important. That was interesting, wasn't it? To to not to not do that knee jerk and um, bring someone off there and then. You had you still had four other defenders on the pitch and three midfielders, so there was enough players out there to to do a job for the remaining seven or eight minutes, whatever. Yeah, and you could see them shift the shape to like a four-four-one, kind of more of a, more of a block, um, and it, and it, it seemed to work. But then, I mean, so he brought it brought on Uronen as well at some at some point. I thought that was well timed because it looked like we were kind of vulnerable down the right. And I think we also bring on Jensen and uh, Ari Uri came on too. Yeah, Ari Uri came on. Yeah, when even off went off, I didn't yeah. so I didn't notice it in the game, but when he came off, he looked exhausted. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a smart that's a smart decision because I didn't see that at all. There's so, also uh, yeah, but... there's also a picture of him with a, a sort of a little ice pack around his calf. So um, I don't know if he had a little knock or whatever, but um, but yeah, he's obviously run his run his run his little socks off and all that. And yeah, he's he's got his calf in ice. So um, that was probably why why Arayuri came on just to see the game out. Bosnia did have um, one chance right at the end, about 80, 87 minutes, I think. But um, Leo Weissenden, who was outstanding all game, managed to get a block in. And um, and yeah, his his fellow defenders sort of give him the old fist bump, celebrated that as 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 well as they would uh, anything else, you know. So that was good to see. And and even later than that, there was a another dipping long range shot from Bosnia Herzegovina, and and Luke kind of blocked it, patted it down in the middle of the goal, and then had to sort of react quite quickly to to yep. grab hold of it away from the forward and. You know, he wasn't in danger. He did everything right. But still, on 91, you're thinking, oh, just just <laughs> stop now. Enough's enough. Hey, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, what was going on at the beginning of the game when when the referee sort of stopped the game and went and spoke to both the coaches and then went and spoke to both the captains? So it was about the crowd. Um, I, I think so. There, was, there were a couple of things. So... I think one of the early goal kicks, Luca took a bit of time over. And then uh, a couple of the Bosnia players at different points through the match. So he had a word with Bjanic two or three times. And it was about keeping control of his players because they were sort of jaying up the crowd. And he was just, the ref was just trying to make sure that they didn't amp up the tensions okay. in the stadium. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Good, good to know. Because at the time it was a bit in the dark and I, I, nobody from the commentary anyway seemed to know what was was going on yeah um okay chap so i think that's this 15 minute review of the match mark has taken about half an hour so um i think it's time to (laughs) draw a line under there we had a lot to say didn't we and and in three days time we're all going to be together watching the france the france game um this hasn't this is this has kind of just amped up the expectation of it hasn't it I'll tell you what, if, we, if we're feeling like this on Tuesday night after the same way after that game, it'd be something else. Because honestly, as, as Mark said, that is one of the one of the most one of the best performances I've seen from a Finland team. It was absolutely outstanding. And um, whoever that bloke is who said, oh, is it time for 
Rivet a goal. Ever if he doesn't go out tomorrow and get a tattoo of Rivet giving it that, then he, he can forget it. Do you know what I mean? In fact, anyone who's listening, if they haven't got a tattoo of Rivet giving it that, then what are you doing with your life? Get it, get out and get it sorted. It's time to get ink. Uh, if uh, if in the last round uh, Bosnia draw with Ukraine, it doesn't matter what happens in Helsinki. Yeah. So basically, um, obviously, we're, we're recording this before the France Kazakhstan game, but the assumption is is that. Ukraine have to win to put pressure on Finland. Um, the games play at the same time. Uh, Finland home to France and Bosnia hosting Ukraine, but Ukraine have to win. Um, yeah. Anything else, and Finland comes second. So that's um, that's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. So it's it, it, we we it is in our hands if we can if we can beat France, um, then we definitely finish second. But there's still a chance even if we don't. So that's that's interesting. So you're, so you're telling me there's a chance? Apparently oh, there is. Yes. So, yeah. Hey, just for the just for the listener, uh, let's let's remind anyone that's in Helsinki on Tuesday. We are still planning to go to Henry's Pub for pre-match drinks, but the march to the ground is actually leaving an hour earlier. Um, so rather than leaving at 8.15, which is what we said in the last show, it leaves at 7.15. I guess this is because of issues in previous games getting the crowd in. So everyone's leaving early. Um, there's there's obviously tickets need checking, and I don't know if, if COVID is an issue for, for making making things a bit slower, but... Um, I don't know, chaps, how much time we're actually going to have together in a pub before we before we start marching up to the uh, to the ground. But we'll need um, a bag of cans for the we, way. We might yes. we might need some cans. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the, I will... uh, the the official advice is print your tickets. So you right. Don't have, um... <laughs> yeah, to make you printed all our tickets, Keke, to make sure they're in your in your bag with you when you yeah. uh, when you come. <laughs> um, and I guess. We'll be going somewhere after the game. I'm sure we'll find somewhere in Helsinki on a Tuesday that's open after midnight, won't we? Yeah, of course. We'll see. Um, but that's it for this episode. Uh, Keke, I look forward to meeting you face-to-face for the first time on Tuesday. Um, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. Um, Rich, Mark, thanks a lot. And to everyone... Mm. Listening, see you in the next episode of the Finnish Football Show. Hundred up. More.